Hello and welcome to another episode of Castings the Fire Podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Bill. And we are back to Game of Thrones, the book. I'm going to do another um, edited chapter. But before we get into that, we're going to have a little uh, cocktail tasting. Yeah, Sarah had me make her a cocktail. Now, before we get into the one that I'm currently going to try... um, we actually both tried the, uh, I guess it went viral on TikTok or something, the Negroni Spagliato with Prosecco drink that um, when Emma Darcy and Olivia Cook were doing that interview and talking about the favorite drink. Yeah. And so, yeah, we both actually tried it. Yep. And what do you think of it? I thought it was good, but it was a lot more bitter than any other Negroni uh, cocktail I've had. However, the barkeep said that I likely had sweetened ones, because the Negronis are supposed to be bitter. And they usually are bitter somewhat, but this is pretty good. So, yes, this was actually several days ago. We weren't, we're not trying it right now this second. And I tried it, too, and, well, it was drinkable, but it had... A pretty strong, like, bitter aftertaste, which, you know, I was told it would have. So, ultimately, although I don't generally prefer um, most of the super sweet kind of cocktails, it was more bitter than I like, but I'm glad I tried it. Yeah. And um, this was... This was from Big Phil's Bar and Grill in Pottstown, which is a nice place to go to. Yeah, one of the few decent bars here. Check it out if you're there. And I recommend their fried grouper. Yep. So remember, Big Phil's Bar and Grill. So the one I'm going to try right now is from the show Archer. Yes, and this one I've tried. Yes, it's called a Green Russian. It is allegedly terrible. And it's heavy cream vodka and absinthe. It is pretty terrible. <laughs> um, I felt it pretty quickly, and um, well, Sarah's gonna try it right. Yeah, now. I actually do drink absinthe occasionally. Yes, I will try it right now on air. Well, this is pretty harsh. Harsh, eh? Not even harsh. It was just like I don't know. It's not as bad as you were letting on. Uh, well, it's not the harshness. It's the fact that you feel it in your stomach. Like, you feel it curdling in your stomach pretty quickly. So. Now, I'm not really much of a vodka drinker, so there is that. It's not green. Is the idea that some absence are dyed green like creme de menthe, is that it? Yeah, I guess so. Because it's not green. It looks like a harmless glass of milk. Yeah. No, it's it's whiter in color. Yeah, I can drink this. It has a bite, but I don't know if I'd make it again. Yeah. You wanted it again. Yeah. So anyway, on to our chapter. On to our chapter. Ned. And um, the copy you're using has an illustration on it. Yes, what do you it think does. of that? Well, that's supposed to be Ned, right? That is supposed to be Ned. 
Yeah, he like looks shorter. Or he looks uh his hair's all short compared to Sean Bean. Yeah, it's not a bad picture, but Ned is always going to look like Sean Bean in my mind. That's the thing. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of subsequent things were modeled after him. So uh And he's got ice. The sword. Yeah, that's uh, that's the name of the sword, okay. I know I'm supposed to be impressed by it. But it looks pretty impressive. It is, time. but it looks just a little too overdone. Like something you might, you know, buy at a knife shop to display on your wall. Well, yeah, you don't get that fantasy, impression? Yeah, that's how these fantasy swords are. I don't remember ice having runes, and I should remember whether it had them or not, but. Does. I can't remember every detail of every fantasy sword I've ever read, but... Oh. So, on to the chapter itself. Um, Grandmaster Pycelle is visiting Ned in his uh, solar, his uh, office, if you will. And he's being asked about the manner of the previous hand's passing, uh, the Lord Aaron. Aaron spelled the Lord. Actually, you know, I goofed. It's not in Ned's soul, it's actually um, Pycelle's place. And he offers some uh, dates or some fine persimmons or even a cup of uh, iced milk sweetened with honey. Now, the, the slight significance to this is in George R.R.'s writing, sweet tends to be a negative symbol. Oh, okay. So, sweet smelling, sweet tasting tends to be that something off is going on. Really? Really. That's interesting. Never knew that. I would not likely figure that out. Myself. It's not like a solidly proven thing, but it's, it's a bit of a motif. Somebody documented it, and he has not denied it. Um... So yeah, he's he takes that because it's apparently during heat wave. Winter has not yet come, so to say. So yes, it's hot, it's humid. Everyone's uncomfortable. Um Pycel rings for his cup of milk and a serving girl brings it to him. And, yeah, he says that the small folk, you know, say that the last year of summer is always the hottest. And that's not true, but it often feels that way. And he uh, envies the northerners their summer snows. Now, supposing it were true. Yeah. I mean, it it does seem to be building up toward the big winters coming, the really big winter. Yeah, and that's one of those things where it's like it says it's not true and then it turns out to be true. Because I could see George Arm writing like that. Like, it turns out it was true after all. Um, so yeah, they're doing that. and um... And he reminisces about his time studying at the Citadel about King Makar's summer being even hotter than this one, and how some fools, apparently even at the Citadel, took that to mean that the great summer had come at last and it would never end. But in the seventh year, it did end, and it was a short autumn and a very long winter. Um, 
how sweltering Old Town was. So and are like autumns and springs supposed to last years as well, or what? You know, I never really solidly got an answer on that, but the impression I got is that autumn and spring were not as... They would be like a year or something like that? Maybe. I never actually got a time frame on them, but I... Nobody talks about a long spring or a long autumn in this series ever, so I don't think any of them are long. I mean, I guess it wouldn't make sense for them to be long, because with autumn, you'd run out of leaves and all that, and you'd run out of, like, things to die, and in spring, it would just be, everything would grow too much, and it would be too... Mud. (laughs) So... But it's not like anything about the seasons in Westeros makes sense. And when fans try to make it make sense, like, oh, what if the orbit was, like, oblong? George R.R. is like, no, it's magic. Why? I had my weird little theory. We won't get into that because I'll just infuriate not only Mr. Martin, but all the fans if we go into my theory. Go Um, ahead. Go into it. No, it was just like, it would be something like it was a plant, like the five body problem and... They're not actually remotely human at all. And, oh, I haven't watched and, it. Well, it's been a long time since I've read it. And I'm probably misremembering certain things. But it'd be like the the, the people... Oh, it's a book. Gross. Yeah, it's a book series. I may have been thinking of something I else. No, I didn't even finish it. It's like there's like five books or something. I don't remember. Um, and it's like they're not even human or even remotely close to human, but they're translated as human because that's the only thing all us as readers can understand which no it's just it's all of my a lot of my theories are just like what's the funniest so, so it goes on about the how everything smelled perfume and sweat which is disgusting mm-hmm. i mean as someone who hates perfume mm-hmm. um and melons and peaches and pomegranate and nightshade and moon bloom and he was just a young man forging his chain and uh, then when his uh, milk arrives he gets back to the subject at hand and so the previous hand was had not seemed himself for some time and They'd sat together on council. And so his impression is that Lord Aaron had been pretty stressed between, you know, his job and um, his young son being sickly and, you know, what is, how anxious his wife was. It's a three-body problem, by the way, not five-body. I misremember. Yeah, that's gonna be a TV show in a soon. It's, it's oh, it was it's a book series, and again. Yeah, I they're making read, a TV series I've only about read it. Some of it. That's why I didn't even want to make that comparison, is because people are gonna be like, no, that's not how it is. Yeah, John Bradley, who and plays a uh, who played and... Samuel, is gonna be in Wait, it. Wait, are you kidding me? So the connection is real. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so back to the. No, we haven't gotten to Samuel yet, but yes. Well, okay. I'm sure that our listeners... Our listeners know. ...know who Samuel Tarley is. I mean, they've seen the show, if nothing else. So Lord Aaron had gone to the maester 
asking about a certain book, and he seemed as healthy as ever, but something appeared to be troubling him deeply. And the next morning, he was sick in bed, and the the maester working for the errands, Maester Coleman, um, thought that he had a chill on his stomach, and that maybe it came from the weather being hot and from um, Lord Aaron putting ice in his wine. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I put ice in wine and that doesn't do anything, and then again, I'm not as old as... Yeah. They, this kind of seems like some kind of medieval superstition, though. You know, like, don't drink something with the wrong humor, it's doing the wrong... Well, it's probably because of the whole, what is it, uh, I mean, the iced milk thing. And they're talking about iced milk being pruned. That's dangerously close to iced milk and cherries, which killed, uh, one of our presidents. I forget. Really? Which one? Oh, you gotta make me look this up. I'm not familiar with this story. Which, a president was killed by iced milk and cherries. Yeah. How? Uh... Taylor. What was that Taylor? I would have actually gotten that right. I shouldn't second guess myself. There was something wrong with it? Uh, he complained about really bad stomach problem, and then, like, was it surgeons went on him, and he, like, died. I don't know. I mean, I only believe a certain amount of anything out of either of these two maesters. No, document. No, what it was is, uh, um, it's thought that they were, like, contaminated with, um, um, what do you call it? Um, cholera or something? It was something weird like that. Okay, that's that's different. No, no, but it's... It was like how they were kept or something. It's like a weird... It was a very weird thing. But Hold there's on. not going to be cholera I'm, in I'm the wine. Look it up. Hold on. No, hold on. Oh my gosh, and there's a whole assassination conspiracy theory, which... Well, it could be that George Herrera is making some kind of veiled reference to it. Why aren't they... Bear with me, I'm looking at Wikipedia that... Yeah, okay. So... He felt well enough to continue working. He continued... Condition work worsened after... And then he, okay, he was diagnosed with cholera at the time, and had all the, a lot of the symptoms, and they tried to. It's listeria that I associate with milk that hasn't been properly uh, they tried pasteurized. To, uh, treat him somehow, and then he, uh, and then he died. Um... Yeah, it was like a joint special committee. Um, now, they did, as far as I know, they did an autopsy on him much later at some point. Um, uh, yeah, okay. What you never expected in a Game of yeah, Thrones it, podcast. It was, it was thought that it was, uh, yeah, it was a collar because, okay, here's the thing. The reason why is because a lot of food... As you know, it was stored like in those underground areas and all that. Those, those cellar areas. Yeah. 
guess what most of Washington was? It was like an open sewer and a swamp at that. Like, it was basically feeded everywhere. And so it was like New York and like Philadelphia and Chicago. Like, a lot of cities were just like, like you could get malaria in them. Background. There's so, probably a few cities in Westeros with that going yeah, on too. Yeah, so it very well could. No, I mean it would not surprise me if George R. R. Martin was making some kind of weird reference, except for he wasn't. Except you know, for this is wine. It's not it, going to. No, but before that, the milk, the chilled milk with the ice or all that. So I guess he had wine after the ice milk. Different guy. Yeah. Okay. Different guy. So the guy who died, Lord Aaron. He had iced. Wine. He had iced wine, and Maester Coleman is blaming the iced wine. The iced wine, except Maester Coleman, I have reason to believe he's kind of shady. And now, do you think he would be somebody who would be involved in some weird little thing like that? I would not put it past him to uh, look away from the obvious in okay, some weird little so thing he like would, that. He'd be somebody who would look away from a plot. Nor would I put it past Pycelle. And I think that's the impression you're supposed to be getting. Um, the Grand Maester has apparently sent Maester Coleman away. And he fears the Lady Lysa will never forgive him for that. And Maester Coleman was like a son to him. And he has high esteem for his abilities. But he is young and t- the young oftentimes do not comprehend the frailty of an older body. And he had been purging Lord Aaron with wasting potions and pepper juice. Yeah, well, so I guess he's just like Getting laxatives nonstop. Pepper juice. Yeah, that'd be a laxative. Certain peppers, yeah. I mean, sir, if you just had liquid ha- habanero, nothing but straight liquid haban- liquefied habanero shake mixed with Miralax. I believe you. <laughs> well, I mean, what do you think? I think it would be, like, pretty bad. I wouldn't do that. I'd probably die, but... I can imagine them giving that to this poor guy. Anyway. And Ned asked if he, uh, if Lord Aaron said anything to him during his final hours. And um, Pycelle said that he'd called out the name Robert several times, but he wasn't sure whether he was asking for his son Robert or the King Robert. And um, Lady Lysa wouldn't allow her son their son to enter the sick room for fear that he might too be taken ill. And the king did come and he sat beside the bed and you know, talked and joked with um, Lord Aaron and um, Ned asks, you know, were there, were there final words? And the maester explained that after he saw that there was no hope. He gave him milk of the poppy, which is, you know, that's opium. That's uh, going to send him to sleep pretty quick. And also make anything that he says after that count as, you know, a person saying it well high out of their mind. Well, to us, apparently in Westeros, they take it for its word, word for word. No matter how crazy it is. You know, what he said is, the seed is strong. And he interpreted that as a blessing for his son. Well, that's what it sounds like, but that 
The thing is, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's his son he's talking about. So. That's what he chooses to believe. He asked the maester if anything uh, seemed unnatural about Lord Aaron's death. And he's like, oh no, not unnatural. It's sad, but death is the most natural thing. And he rests easy now and his burdens are lifted. Yep. And um, Ned is like, oh, so you've seen this sort of illness before or something like it in other men? And he's like, oh, yeah, I've been working for 40 years under um, different kings, and um, I've seen lots of illness, and all are different and all are alike. Um, This wasn't any stranger than any other. So he's basically talking in riddles, but at the same time he's saying it's nothing out of the ordinary. And um, Ned brings up that his wife, Lady Lysa, thought it was suspicious. Now, you also said, Sarah, just now, you said you would not be surprised if Maester Pycelle knew something and looked the other way and omitted something. I wouldn't trust either of those two maesters. Yeah. Well, you also don't trust maesters in general at the same time. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Lewin would look away. Yeah. Don't think Amon would either. And the the maester um, pretty much says that, you know, Lady Lysa can't be counted on. She's paranoid. She sees enemies in every shadow. She's been paranoid since her last stillbirth, and the death of her lord husband made it even worse. Now, part of this kind of feels like, oh, like women are crazy, but when you see her as a character later, well, she is kind of crazy. Yeah. We'll get to that, though. We'll get to that. And she's like, are you quite certain it was of a sudden illness? As opposed, And he's like, oh, as opposed to what? Like, maybe poison, and um, the maester kind of alerts up and looks uncomfortable. He's like, oh, yes, we're not the free... This what, That's a disturbing thought. We're not the free cities where that kind of thing is common. Grand Maester Aethelmer wrote that all men carry murder in their hearts, yet even so, the poisoner is beneath contempt. And uh, what you say, it's possible, but it's not likely. Every you know, hedge maester knows the common poisons, and he showed none of the signs. And the hand was loved by all, and what sort of monster would do that? Yeah. Which seems like he's trying to distance himself from it. Yeah, it seems like a whole he protests too much. Like, Like, whoa, I just said you think it's possible, and he's like... Freaking out. It's like... Not here, not in Westeros, where all this crazy stuff happens. No, this isn't the free cities. Like how they call free, like it's like a slur almost. The free cities. Free so-and-sos. 
to me, the free cities thing comes off as most ironic because most of them actually yeah. have legalized slavery. Yeah. Um, Ned brings up that it's said that poison is a woman's weapon. Yeah, that's like the old classic uh, medieval uh, and ancient phrase that it's a woman's weapon, that, you know, a woman's not a woman who might not have the power to do much else may uh if she knows all her herbs and all her uh put something in his yeah. uh morning alcoholic beverage exactly yeah. and that's like sort of a common it's a very common trope and i think george r, r. martin's just sort of bringing it up to sort of poke at it there well Picel, he's like stroking his beard as he does and he says women cravens and eunuchs and they hear a raven cawing in the rookery, which spits a nasty glob a nasty of glob phlegm. of phlegm. Yes, the raven may or may not be some kind of reference to blood raven. I don't know. And uh, Lord Varys was born a slave in least, did you know? Put not your trust in spiders, my lord. So, with his uh, reference to eunuchs, he seems to be trying to implicate Varys, maybe? Yeah, he's trying to distance himself, and it seems like... The show is a bit more blunder with that. They're like, did you know that Lord Varys is a eunuch? Oh, everyone knows that. Yeah. (laughs) And... Um, Ned is going to excuse himself at this point. Um, but he does want to possibly see the book that had been lent to John Aaron the day before he got sick. And Pricell is like, it's not interesting. It's a ponderous tome by Grand Maester Melion and the lineages of the great houses. So he's like, once again, more evasive. You don't want it. It's boring. And um, Ned still wants to see it. And so he, the maester says when he finds it, he'll have it sent to Ned's chamber straight away. And he asks the last question. Um, was it just the king who was with Lord Aaron when he died, or was the queen there too? And the answer is, you know, no, she wasn't. She... And the children were journeying to Casterly Rock with Lord Tywin, who had uh, brought a retinue to the city for a tourney on Prince Joffrey's name day, um, hoping to see Jaime win the champion's crown, which he didn't. And so he was the one who gave the Queen news of Lord Aaron's sudden death. Dark wings, dark words. A proverb that... Referencing ravens delivering bad news. Yes, which uh, came from... A proverb coming from Old Nan that Ned had learned as a boy. The Old Nan comes in again. The Old Nan always is full of uh, fun little things like that. While she's... I like how you you see her and she's trying to remember which... Person, like which decade it is and which person it is she's talking to. Is it this Bran or is it this his grandfather? Yeah, exactly. 
Why are they all named Bran? Yeah, why? Well, not all of them, but. <laughs> and apparently, yes, Ned has gotten news about Bran's waking up. You know, on the subject of Ravens being news. And after that, Ned leaves, but he's already feeling suspicious of Pycelle. As you know, anyone would be, I think, after that. Like, if he said, like, if he practically said, like, what? No, I didn't do anything. It was this guy. This guy may have done something. Like, I don't know. That seems, as I said, like he's trying too obviously to. And he gets out and finds Arya standing on the stairs on one leg, she's like swinging her arms to try to keep her balance, barefoot, and uh, Ned asks her what she's doing, oh, Sirio the water, says a water dancer can uh, stand on one toe for hours, and um, Ned understandably suggests that maybe she should practice standing somewhere else besides on the stairs because that's a long fall. Oh, a water dancer never falls. Uh, sure, Arya. Yeah. And then uh, asks, asks her dad if Bran is going to come and live with them now. And then not for a long time. He needs to get stronger. And uh, what will Bran do when he's of age? And um, Ned says that he's got years to figure that out. And he's thinking of the night that the the news came from the raven. And he and the girls had gone to the godswood to stand vigil, I guess, to thank the gods for sparing Bran. Mm -hmm. They didn't have really a proper heart tree there because they don't have a wirewood. It was an oak instead. All covered with smokeberry vines, and I should know what that looks like, but I don't. Oh, well. (laughs) I assume it's a real plant? (laughs) Maybe. And Sansa dreamed of Bran and saw him smiling. But Arya says he was going to be a knight. He was going to be a knight of the King's Guard. Can he still be a knight? And um, Ned says that no, he can't. But he could still be the lord of a great holdfast. He could sit on the King's Council. He might raise castles, you know, like his ancestor Brandon the Builder. Or he might sail a ship. Or he might um, enter the Faith of the Seven and become the High Septon. But he's thinking to himself he'll never run beside his wolf again or or lie with a woman when he's older or have a son of his own. Which, it's actually not totally true that someone who's paralyzed can never do those things, but it depends on certain things, things, although this is the medieval era when there's less in the way of, like, medical intervention. 
And then Arya is like, can I be a king's counselor? Can I build castles? Can I become the High Septon? And Ned's like, you know, you will marry a king and rule his castle, and your sons will be knights and princes and lords. And yes, perhaps even a high septon. She's like, no, that's what Sansa likes and keeps doing her standing on one leg. So I think uh, the point she's getting at is Bran with Bran's disabilities can still do all these um, things that are viewed as manly. But she with, you know, two, you know, perfectly good legs still can't do these because she's a girl. And she's making that point. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. That is a, that is a thing, though. <laughs> and, yeah, Ned goes, goes to his room and he's gonna, you know, wash up and go to bed. And then one of his men at arms, Alan, comes in, it's and Lord, Lord Baelish is without. Oh, that's the worst, isn't it? Yeah. Lord <laughs> so, Baelish, aka Littlefinger. So he gets a clean shirt and says, "Yeah, I'll see him at once." Oh, I'd be annoyed. <laughs> and there he is, just sitting on the window sill. Oh, on the window seat. What is that? It's the window sill, isn't it? No, I think. Well, maybe. You know, watching the knights practicing in the yard. The but he's perched. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I honestly don't. I mean, it really could be either way. I'm sure. If only old Selmy's mind were as nimble as his blade, our council meetings would be a good deal livelier. Shut up, little finger. And Ned, you know, he's like, oh, Sir Barristan is valiant and honorable. Littlefinger's like, tiresome. But at least he'll, he should do well in the tourney. He unhorsed the hound last year, and um, he was champion four years ago. And he's like, is there a reason you're here, Peter? Or are you just here to enjoy the view out the window? And he said he promised Cat he would help him with his inquiries. And so he has. And so he's like, do you have something for me? And he says, I have someone for someone's. Have you questioned the hand's servants? And he says he can't because Lady Aaron took them all back to the Ari. But apparently there actually were some that did not go. There was one who was a kitchen girl who had gotten pregnant and she'd hastily been um, married to one of Lord Renly's grooms. A stable hand who had joined the city watch. A pot boy who had been discharged for stealing, and Lord Aaron's squire, Sir Hugh of the Vale, who was knighted by the king after Lord Aaron's death. And Ned, you know, says he'll send for them, for him and the others. And uh, Littlefinger makes a face, has Ned come over to the window to look, and um, points to a boy who is um, by the steps outside honing a sword with an oil stone and uh, Littlefinger says he reports to Varys and uh, the spider has taken interest in you and your doing so Varys is spying on him um, points to a guardsman on the ramparts uh, and says 
And when Ned asks if he also works for Varys, no, this one belongs to the Queen. And he's got a view of you know, the Jordier Tower to uh, watch who visits you. And there's others even that he doesn't know about. And the Red Keep's full of eyes and he's, he says that's why he hid Catelyn in the brothel. And Ned's not happy about this. And he asks, is everyone someone's informer in this cursed city? Scarcely. Why, there's me, you, the king, and... But come to think of it, the king tells the queen much too much, and I'm less than certain about you. Is there a man in your service that you trust utterly and completely? Ned says yes. And... Littlefinger does the, I have a delightful palace in Valerio that I would dearly love to sell you. Which seems to be the Westeros equivalent of, uh, I've got a bridge to sell you, yes. The wiser answer is, no, my lord. But since there is someone you do trust, send this paragon of yours to Sir Hugh and the others. So don't go yourself. Because your own comings and goings will be noted. But you know, even Varys can't watch everybody every hour. And Ned is grateful for his help, says, perhaps I was wrong to distrust you. And uh, Littlefinger says, you are slow to learn, Lord Eddard. Distrusting me was the wisest thing you've done since you climbed down off your horse. There you go. There you go. And that is the end of the chapter. Now, do you have any more, uh, any more uh, opinions on this? This is very ominous. I would never trust Littlefinger as well. And neither would I. See, there's not much more I feel I can say about the chapter without dropping big spoilers for um, much later in the series. You know, regarding what really happened to Lord Aaron. Um, but let's just say I think we all know it was not a chill on the stomach from drinking cold wine. No. And uh, the next chapter is going to be another John chapter where um, Samuel Tarley is introduced for the first time. So we've got that coming up. Um, we're going to have more Lord of the Rings. We're going to be doing a... Uh, Soviet-Russian adaptation of Fellowship of the Ring. And we're also going to be doing uh, The Shadow of the Past, um, the um, chapter from the book. Yep. So stay tuned for those. And um, if you have any feedback, we would love to hear it. Um, join our group, message our page. Give us a follow, give us a review. Thank you for listening to Cast It Into the Fire podcast, and uh, good night. Good night.